0: Scripture from Luke 4 1 through 13. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. Again, this is Luke 4 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, let this stone become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. as It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil, led to the, to, the devil had led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from him. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up your, your, their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. May God bless the reading of this word and prepare your hearts for the message he has planned for you to hear today.
1: Temptations. That's what we're talking about today and not not the group, right? Not going to be singing up here. Three temptations. Um, So I want to go to the next slide. So the, I want you to answer these questions uh, in your brain or on a piece of paper, um, what is it that I do? I am what I do. You can fill that out. And then uh, I am what I control. What, what do you think you control? And then I am what others say about me. We've, I've talked about this over, the, over since I've been here many different times. But today I'm, I'm actually going to tell you how really in depth how this has really changed my life and um, how I even learned about this. Uh, but it fits with today's scripture where we are in Luke. Jesus is being tempted, and this is a big, uh, big deal. Today's scripture, the first thing that occurs after the baptism of Jesus is the, temptation of, is the temptation of Jesus. He's about 30 years old at the time, a little older than 30 when this occurs. He's about to start his earthly ministry, and the first thing we run into is the temptation of Christ. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm trying to lose weight, and I've lost 40 pounds since um, December. And uh, this is my fat tunic, and it does this. I still don't look good in my skinny tunic, so i uh, not wearing that yet. But I've lost, I lost some weight, and I can tell you right now, it is hard. It is hard. I love bread, and anybody knows me, I love bread. And amen, Jesus ate bread, but he went without bread for 40 days, so I can, I can do that. I have not gone 40 days without bread yet, so uh, I'm still working on that. So reading this uh, scripture about Jesus and his temptation, I always get stuck right there at turning rocks into bread. And I don't know about you, like right now, if I saw a pile of rocks and I had the power to turn it into bread, I would do it. And it would be artisan bread with the crispy outside and the soft inside and slathered with butter. Amen? Anybody like that? Yeah, yeah. The temptation would be overpowering. Overpowering. So rereading this, man, I can relate. He must have been tempted. And he did, have, he did have the power to do that. Sometimes we forget that he's God. He created the heavens and the earth. If God wanted to turn the rock into bread, he could do it. He could definitely do it. Um, I don't know about you, a little tempted even talking about it. Now I'm thinking about Panera. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's a term that people use when you're, uh, you haven't eaten for a while, right? So sometimes people, when they haven't eaten for a while, like a full two hours, they get grumpy, right? So then they say, and we, when you um, add anger and hunger, you get hangry, right? Anybody get hangry? Maybe you're getting hangry now. I don't know. So sometimes people get hangry. Yet, uh, you know, I want to reach my goal. I want to reach my goal. So when I look at bread, I think of the number I'm trying to get to in my brain. And I claim that, claim that number in the name of Jesus. I can keep going. You know, fasting is, can help you uh, grow in your, as a spiritual discipline in your relationship with the Lord. And I've talked about fasting a lot of times, uh, and in the past, I've not been very I've been good at fasting and really good at the end of my fast. I mean, like really eating. So that was the problem. So, uh, but Jesus fasted for 40 days. And we know, um, scientists have tell us, and I've never seen anybody do it, but you can actually go without uh, food for 40 days not a problem. Well, that is a problem, but uh, you can't go without water Can't go without water and Jesus said he's the water of life, right? So that water of life is that is that communication is that spiritual drink and nourishment that comes from the Relationship with the Holy Spirit. So definitely connected in that way, but without food So he definitely was tempted definitely was tempted Jesus defines his followers as being different from the world now they are to be his disciples meaning to mimic, learn about, learn from the example of Christ, to be his disciple. Today we're looking at the temptations the devil throws at Jesus and how they relate to our everyday life. Because you might say, no one's ever asked me to turn uh, a rock into bread. No one's offered me the whole world. And no one's told me to jump off this cliff and tell me God will save me. But we're tempted in almost the same way but in a different little bit different fashion this morning i'm going to share with you probably the most important message i ever received in my life and i was already a pastor in fact i know i've shared parts of this before and i heard it when i was in a lecture with chap clark at fuller and he didn't make it up either he got it from henry nowen a uh, renowned author and uh, a catholic uh, priest but Henry Nowen didn't get it, make it up himself either. Henry Nowen got it from this story right here. He got it from God's word. He also um, got it from St. Gregory, who wrote about the same thing, who again, got it from God's word. It's a message that changed my life, and I pray it, it's, the more I say it, I pray it, it changes all of our lives too. I was sitting in Fuller in 2008 in a class with Dr. Chap Clark, and he asked us these three statements I've asked you today and I've asked you before as you fell on this paper. I am what I do. And so I put down, I'm a Christian, right? I'm a godly father. I'm a pastor. I'm a Salvation Army officer. I'm a surfer, I'm a sailor. All those things are true. That's what I do. I am what I control. I control and guide my children. I control and guide my position at that time as the business officer at at Crestmont College and as an officer of the Salvation Army in the Bible studies I was leading. And uh, I am what others say about me. And even today when I think about that, it was a a pause. I am what others say about me. Being at the training college, you have cadets that love you and you have cadets that love you less. And uh, (laughs) some probably hated me. I don't know. But... uh, but that's just the way life is, right? You could probably list a handful of people that, wow, think you walk on water, another group that tolerates you, and another group that, you know, you disappear tomorrow, they might actually have a party. You just never know. So, so when you think about that, I am what of the people say about me, it's, yeah, there's people say all sorts of things about me. But I choose to answer, I'm a Christian. I think I'm pretty funny, especially my dad jokes. Right, Bethany? Bethany not what a good daughter. Uh, I'm knowledgeable on certain subjects other adjectives I used and uh, but Chap Clark went further into that and he said uh, he he reminded us that life is short life is short and uh, it's really our time on this planet when God's word says we're like the grass of the field literally we're like the grass of the field we are born we grow up we when we're younger we think that uh, we're invincible and uh, and then we we have children we realize oh it can't be acting like I'm invincible anymore because I my my family needs me, and then we grow older. The kids raise the kids, and then we're near fifty-four, and their kids move out of the house. What's wrong with them? And uh, you know, and then we get older and older, and eventually we pass away. Eventually we pass away, and uh, the only memorial we really have is our children. True, but third, fourth generation from now, we're just a gravestone in a in a grass field. Life is short. So what is it that's about me? Who am I? How do I make that lasting impact? Or do I need to? And it goes back to kind of this story here. This story here. God's word says in Psalm 103, uh, verses 15 to 16, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, the wind blows over it, and it is gone, and his place remembers it no more. How depressing. We represent one point in time in our lives, they don't they love us, and then we're gone, and we're searching for significance. Who am I? That's that question. You know, there's a, a term, uh, fear of missing out. FOMO, yes, fear of missing out. That's like a thing. By the way, it's been a thing forever, right? Before there were things, it's been a fear, fear forever, fear of missing out, and really, it's answering the question, who am I? You know, and we answer those three statements in front of you this way. I am what I do. Um, It's the awards, the attaboys. I am what I control. It's who or what I exert power over. I am what others say about me, real or imagined. It's a FOMO issue. Fear of missing out. Um, We didn't have that acronym when I was young. I am what I control and what other people say about me. You know, typically if you go to a party or meet somebody new, you know the first question you ask? After that. What do you do? What do you do? That's what we ask. What do you do? I'm a college student. I'm working a factory. I work at a church. I, whatever. That's one of the first things we we do. And believe it or not, what we're really asking, we're trying to quantify them. Is this a person I'm going to relate to? That's what you're really doing. That's what you're really doing. I am what I do. I'm a plumber. I'm a housewife. I'm married. I'm an educator. I'm a nurse. I'm a clerk. I'm a secretary. I'm a cook on and on and on all statements that have a title in them defining I am what I do I am what I control I mean that's a hard one people realize I don't I don't want to be controlling anything but the fact is you have control over over stuff I am what I control I control my children I control my wife my husband by the way you don't my employees you don't my work my neighbors it's what you think think you have influence over it's what you think you have influence over all these define what you control. And I am what others think about me. Again, it goes back to some might think good, some might think bad, some might think you're the most greatest thing ever. Others might say you're smart. Um, others tell you you have good looks. Um, some tell you you're a great musician. Others tell you you're wonderful with animals. Uh, your wife tells you you're, you're handsome, your husband says you're beautiful. Your boss tells you you do a good job at a product and you, uh, project, you believe them. But also it goes the other way. Somebody says, you're an idiot, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're whatever. And then you allow that to define you. And by the way, if you think you never do this, you're lying to yourself right now. You're lying to yourself right now. We define ourselves based on the perceptions we have about others and how we feel about ourselves. And what that does, it means we define ourselves by things that are unbiblical what happens when our definitions change our identity changes and then what do we do i am what i control is changed by uh, circumstance right i am what i do is changed by circumstance if you're a firefighter and all of a sudden you get laid off or you get sick or you get injured and now you're no longer a firefighter where's my identity it's gone it's gone I am what I control, what happens when your wife takes off, your husband takes off, your children move out, you no longer have employees, you retire. Your situation changes and now what has been defining you your whole life has changed. I am what others think about me. You know, you can see that uh, played out absolutely in the Disney, uh, on the Disney show, right? You go back 10 years ago, you watch Hannah Montana and you look at Hannah Montana today, Wow, what a change. And why did she make those changes? Trying to stay relevant. In fact, you'll hear her say that when she's 18. Trying to stay relevant. Why? Because her circumstance had changed and didn't know who she was anymore. Someone tells you you're fat. Your boss says you you messed up. Someone tells you 10 things uh, they love about you and one they don't. And what's the one thing you remember? The one you don't. Your identity is gone, your life goes into turmoil, and now you're like, what the heck? There's a danger in allowing the outside influences to tell us who we are. Number one is, you have no control over them. None. I am what I do, you have no control over that. I am what I control, you have no control over that. I am what others say about me, you have no control over that. You can be nice as pie to somebody, and they'll still hate you. We got a woman who runs our um, stepping stones, Debbie, just a lovely saint. And most of the people who who, uh, work with her, they just love her. But others can't stand her. But she's a lovely person. The temptation of Christ. I believe the devil tempted Jesus with these same statements. I am what I do. Want to go to the next slide, Josh? Oh, next one, sorry. Oh, next one. Sorry, I forgot to make notes down here. Satan versus Jesus. This is like the big throwdown. Anybody else like Godzilla in here? There are a ton of Godzilla movies. By the way, if you ask um, Siri, show me Godzilla movies, you'll see a ton of free ones on there. They're awesome. But Godzilla is kind of like the misunderstood monster, and then like the whole world's being attacked by this other monster, and then Godzilla comes in, remembering Godzilla kind of wipes out the other monster, and suddenly everybody loves Godzilla, and then he marches off into the sea. It's great stuff. I love Godzilla movies. Well, here, this is a bigger battle. Satan versus Jesus. I put Satan first because he thinks he's going to win here. He thinks he's going to win. But Jesus is tempted with these same statements. And Jesus has been dead for 40 days fasting, and he's hungry. And uh, he's hungry, and he's tired. And in this fast, Jesus ate no food. And after 40 days, you would be weak. After three hours without food, I feel weak. Amen? Amen. In fact, I at times, believe it or not, get hangry. It's rare. Bet that he's like, no. After six hours, I'm cranky. And I've told this story before. One time, Jenny was pregnant, and uh, we decided to do the 40-hour fast with our youth. Wow. Never do that. (laughs) Never. Never, never. Because I'm telling you right now, at 20 hours, the teens were like insufferable. And at 40 hours, they were ready to kill each other. And uh, when I put the pizzas down in front of them, it was just a dust cloud. And the pizzas were gone. So cranky. Then the devil brought these three temptations that dealt with identity to Christ. I am what I do. I am what I do. Verse 3. The devil said to him, if you're a son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Whew. Starts right off with a big one, right? He's hungry. Turn the, tell the stone to become bread. He's the creator of the heavens and everything. He can do it. Satan was tempting Jesus with physical needs, yes, but it's also a temptation that the Pharisees give to Jesus later. If you're the Son of Man, come down from that cross. Could he do it? Absolutely. Is it his identity to do it, that he has the power to do that? Absolutely. He's God. But he's on not an earthly mission like a human mission, he's on a God mission. It's God's will that he die on the cross for our sins. Temptation. He can save others, but he can't save himself, is what the Pharisees told him. The devil was arguing, since Jesus is God, use your power for your own purpose. See that? Since you're God, use your power for your own purpose, apart from the will of God. If that's what defines you. Be relevant. Ever heard that before? Are you relevant? You are what you can do. Ever hear that before? That's what Satan was tempting Jesus with a very earthly perspective. Doing instead of trusting in faith. And that's big. Doing instead of trusting in faith. Which I'll tell you, we all are guilty of, myself included. Doing instead of trusting in faith. Jesus chose to trust in faith, he knew he wasn't going to be fasting forever. The devil was trying to tell Jesus, if you're God incarnate, prove it. But he wasn't there for the devil's plan. He was there for God's plan. And he was there on our behalf. And Praise the Lord. Man does not live on bread alone. What a statement. That's how Jesus responds. Man does not live on bread alone. I could live on bread alone. Jesus had to come, up, come and do the will of God and not anybody else's will. It's God's will had to be done. Acted on in faith and acted on in God's timing, not his own. From self to God. It's not about us. It's not about us. I am what I control. Verses 5 and 7. Second temptation. The devil led him to the high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to, so if you worship me, it will all be yours. That's the next temptation. He was tempting Jesus with the control of the world. Now remember, Jesus is fully and properly man. We forget sometimes that he had the same temptations that we have. It wasn't. There's nowhere in God's word you say Jesus uh, was God incarnate except he had. You know, he didn't have any earthly temptations. Of course he did. Truly and properly man. The devil's tempting him with power and the worship Satan. In fact, Satan actually believed he controlled it all. But he controlled nothing. In fact, it's loaned to him. Loaned to him. And Jesus says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only serve him only. Again, why is Jesus here? For the glory of God. For our benefit. Come and die on the cross for us. Praise the Lord. The devil then leads him to Jerusalem, and he said to him, stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he says, again, identity, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, I am what others say about me. Are you the son of man? Isn't that a temptation that, that Jesus has over and over and over again in the Gospels? Are you the son of man? That's the temptation. I am what others say about me. And it's a real temptation for us too. People hit us with stuff and we wonder, is this my who I am? Is this who I am? And Jesus says, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's kind of an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Do not put your Lord your God to the test. Because it's not, it's not about uh, seeing if God loves you, because sometimes we treat God the same way. We're in a jam, and what do we do? We pray out to God, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. If you're God, save me. We do that all the time. If you're God, Lord, grant me this wish. I'm guilty of that, too. I'm constantly praying for my kids' um, future spouses. Lord, please give them a godly spouse. Praying for, spe- for specific ones. Lord, pray for Is this the person? How goofy is that? Now Bethany's nervous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the... Uh, I am, what do they say about me? But Jesus says, "Hey, don't put your Lord's God to, te- to the test." In other words, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understandings, in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. Amen. You go to the next slide, Josh. You know, prior to this happening, an event happens that is just absolutely amazing. And I can tell you right now, that the first time Chap Clark said these things to me in class, I must have read this scripture a bazillion times and never understood it until that moment. Until that moment right there. Jesus is baptized in verse in chapter 3 of, of Luke. And uh, this is what it says. And When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying... Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son whom I love. Uh, with you I'm well pleased. You know, King James, which is hard to read if... Um, it is hard to read. That's just the fact that we don't talk like that anymore. But uh, it's a good Bible. But they uses the word beloved. And I love that. Which is be loved. Be loved. Before Jesus did a thing he was loved. Before you were born, you were loved. Before you were ever created or thought about, you were loved. Be loved. And that's the secret to these three questions. This is why I, I crossed them all out. Those don't matter. They absolutely don't matter. Because your value is not from what, I, you, what you do, what you control, what other people say about you. It's from the voice of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, saying, You are loved. You are the beloved of Christ. You're the beloved of Christ. Let me say that out loud. I am the beloved of Christ. I am the beloved of Christ. Let's say it one more time, look at it. I am the beloved of Christ. Before you did a thing, you were loved. Before you did a thing, you were loved. With whom I'm well pleased. Whom I'm well pleased. The danger as a believer is we get caught up in our own stuff and we think that God has to act a certain way. And if He's not going according to our plan, well, man, He's on the wrong train. We think that uh, whatever it is, what position we get, or whatever job we have, or whatever money we have, or whatever spouse we have, or whatever people say about me, or whatever your own little uh, posse running behind you with their little sign saying, You're so great, you're so great, that's my value. All that is meaningless. Our value comes from Christ, a relationship with Christ, a Holy Spirit filled life with Jesus. That's our value. That's what matters in this world. The devil is the one trying to say, you are what you do. The devil is the one saying, you are what you control. The devil is the one saying, you are what other people say about me. But our response to that really needs to be, I'm the beloved of Christ. When temptation comes our way, we respond, I am the beloved of Christ. When Brian comes by and he's holding a 12-pack of Krispy Kreme donuts, I can respond, I am the beloved of Christ. He only did that a couple times, like almost every day. No, I'm kidding. Right, so when we're tempted, we can respond, I'm the beloved of Christ, I'm, the, I'm God's beloved. Then we put the perspective of what Jesus is saying here and how he responds to those temptations in a different light. Not, that, not just that I can, God's empower me. You realize the whole idea that I can, I can make it through this temptation. I can live a holy life. I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm the beloved of Christ. I'm the beloved of Christ. This world does not want us to succeed. I, I, I mentioned earlier in a prayer meeting, uh, anybody talked to me really, this whole COVID thing's driving me crazy. And. Uh, because I feel like people are being feel defeated, and uh, I want to say, it, "Man, there's victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. This mask is for our own personal security. God knows the hairs on my head and the ones that are falling out. He knows the uh, He knows the number of days that I have, the number of breaths I'm going to make and have. He knows it all. Wearing this mask." is really for other people, not for me. Because when he wants to take me home, he's going to take me home. I need to be making sure that I am living as a beloved of Christ. That I'm claiming him above all things. I'm not holding on to what this world thinks is important. This world thinks that I am what I do, I am what I control, and I am what those people say about me. For that world, that's the world they live in. And they're stuck there we have the gospel that saves, saves people's souls. It can break through. We have the Holy Spirit that can break through people's lives. We have the joy of our salvation and the peace that comes from having our full relationship with Christ. So I can answer with joy when the world is not going the way I want, praise the Lord. When it's going my way, praise the Lord. When I have no idea what's going to happen next, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning, just want us to realize that we are the beloved of Christ. Before you did a thing, you were the beloved of Christ. Your value doesn't come from other stuff. It comes from a relationship with Christ. He loved you so much, he came here and lived for us. He died on the cross for us. That's where your value is. How many other people you know would do that for you? No one. We're going to uh, spend a couple minutes in prayer, and then we're going to finish up with our, our final song. But I, I just what I really want people to take away today is uh, not how much I love bread, but how much I love Jesus. He's the bread of life for me. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, just now. Lord, we thank you that uh, that you're we have a relationship with you. We have the chance to have a relationship with you, Lord, and. I know that each one of us in this room are tempted by these same three temptations, sometimes daily, sometimes moment by moment. Some of us might even be caught up in in all three of them, Lord. And Lord, we just pray just right now that your Holy Spirit's presence would just permeate our lives so we can turn the message around from one that we're valuing ourselves by a worldly standard that just doesn't matter, Lord, but we value ourselves by what really matters, and that is how you see us as your beloved, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord, that you gave us the chance to have a full relationship with you through, the, through Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, we just pray right now for uh, those sitting here, Lord, whatever's going on in their life, the rest of this meeting, Lord, just spend some time in prayer and just uh, asking forgiveness for what needs to be forgiven, Lord, and, and asking for help, for work, help Lord, and, and praising you for the things that we should be praising you for so that we can have hearts that are filled with your Holy Spirit's power and not have any distractions, Lord, that we would not give the evil one even a small footstool or foot, footprint in our life, Lord, at all. Lord, we just pray for your, your blessing amongst this congregation here, Lord, for those who are listening out in, uh, on the Internet, Lord, that they might be blessed by this message, which is not my message. It's your message. It's your message, I hope. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right.